Blackhawks chair Rocky Wirtz died Tuesday at age 70. I think for most people in Chicago, Rocky Wirtz will be remembered as the person who brought the Blackhawks back to life. What's up, Chicago? The only reason this day is fun is because of all you guys coming out and supporting this team. It makes hockey fun. It's an honor for the Chicago Blackhawks to be invited back to the White House, as you said, three times in six seasons. And like winning the Stanley Cup, we can assure you that the entire organization, beginning with these incredible athletes that you talked about, will never take this for granted. And I'll talk with Crane's residential real estate reporter Dennis Rodkin about news of the week from the local housing market, including how Chicago leads the nation in home price growth. We were trailing all these other cities, other metro areas, I should say, for 61 months. A year ago, in the the report for May 2022, we were 18th. And now in the report for May 2023, we're the top of the heap. Chicago Blackhawks chair Rocky Wirtz has died at age 70. A spokesperson for the Wirtz family confirmed on Tuesday night. It's hard to find examples of a major business that went in a matter of two or three years from the bottom of the barrel to the top of the heap in any industry. Wirtz served as chair of the NHL franchise since 2007 and oversaw one of the most successful eras in its history, including three Stanley Cup championships. He was also president of Wirtz Corporation, the venture that oversees the family's businesses in sports, entertainment, beverage distribution, real estate, and banking. Wirtz was also co-owner of the United Center joint venture with Chicago Bulls chair Jerry Reinsdorf. Crane's Danny Ecker has more. And it was Rocky's stewardship of the franchise that led the turnaround and that made the franchise among the most successful in all of pro sports. I mean, you could look around the Chicago area and suburban ice rinks that have been built and teenagers that are really into hockey. Most of that's a direct product of what Rocky created, which is a reach that I think few figures in the city's history can claim. Of course, that legacy has been complicated by the Kyle Beach situation, the mishandling by team executives of sexual assault allegations during an era in which Rocky was the owner. That's also a significant piece of how history will view him, I believe. And I think it should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question? You hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. And I think his impact on the Chicago business scene and in the local philanthropic community will also be a big part of what people think of. Uh, Rocky was never afraid to speak his mind about the city's political leadership. You know, we talked to Mayor Emanuel about the uh, amusement tax as far as when he went up, uh, you know, for entertainment taxes, you know, uh, groups that's 10 and a half percent. And these promoters look at every penny and they can go up to a brand new building in Milwaukee. Uh, they can... They can go to Rosemont. I mean, you know, they don't have to have these extra city taxes on the air. So I think many times they're a little short-sighted for, uh, for what this building does. Of course, he was consistently bringing up the ticket taxes we have in Chicago and Cook County, which are among the highest in the country. Uh, he was constantly trying to illustrate how much of an economic force the United Center was and is for the city, uh, particularly the near west side. And it has been, of course, as both an economic engine and as a major community asset. It was the United Center that served as a mass COVID vaccination site for the city in March of 2021. Um, It'll be very interesting to see how the various pieces of the Wirtz Corporation are led 
uh, by people that do things the same and do things differently from Rocky, and that'll be revealed in the months and the years ahead. But for now, I think you have a state of shock across the Chicago business landscape uh, at the sudden passing of such a significant figure. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson said in a statement, quote, Rocky Wirtz was a champion in every sense of the word, in family, in business, in sports ownership, and most important, in life. Wirtz was a member of the Civic Committee of the Commercial Club of Chicago, board chair of the Field Museum, and a trustee at Northwestern University, where he earned a Bachelor of Science in Communications in 1975. He also established the Virginia Wadsworth Wirtz Endowment for Visiting Artists at Northwestern, a program named after his grandmother that brings in performers to work with theater students and staff. He also endowed the W. Rockwell Wirtz Professorship in Northwestern School of Communications in 2017 to attract top professors. Well, thank you, guys. Anything well, we didn't you. touch on that you thought we should uh, discuss? We're not in any rush. These two guys over here are young. And, uh... <laughs> I was going to say, Jerry and I, you know, are... <laughs> Are one thing, but those uh, Michael and Danny will be the ones that really will be spending more time than we will. Let's put it that way. Right. And his dad cool. says, "Figure it out." <laughs> and my tombstone is going to be just figure it out. Just, just figure <laughs> it out. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Thursday, July 27th. Want some wins? Wintrust Community Banks is proud to be ranked number one in customer satisfaction in personal banking in Illinois by J.D. Power. That's one win, and that's for the second year in a row. That's a win-win. And you can now earn even more interest with Wintrust's new savings rates. That's a win-win-win. To get your savings some wins, visit Wintrust.com slash LockNewRates. That's Wintrust.com slash LockNewRates. Members FDIC. For J.D. Power 2020. Award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. I'm joined by Crane's residential real estate reporter, Dennis Rodkin, here to talk about news from the local housing market. Hello, Dennis. How's it going this week? I'm great, Amy. I'm, I'm here with news I didn't think I would ever be delivering, so how could I not be great? I know. I was surprised to see see some of this reporting from you. Well, let's dive right into that because uh, some of that reporting indicates that Chicago leads the nation in home price growth. Not at all what I expected to be saying today. I Well, I wondered if I would because a month ago we were approaching this. But yeah, so, you know, let's do a chant of we're number one, we're number one. <laughs> right. I have been covering the Case-Shiller Index monthly for about a dozen years, probably. And this is, as far as I know, the first time Chicago had the highest price growth of the 20 major metro areas in the United States that the Case-Shiller Index covers. So we're speaking in July. This data is from May, but it was released today. The Case-Shiller Index found that home values in the Chicago area went up 4.6% in May. Nationwide, home prices went down 0.5% which I consider flat. Generally, if it's less than 1% up or down, I call it flat. Nevertheless, down 0.5. We were up 4.6. This is the first time we've been number one. And that is significant because there was a stretch of 61 months, during many of which you and I were doing this podcast, when Chicago was 20th, 19th, 18th, sometimes as high as 16th on this list, meaning we were trailing all these other cities, other metro areas, I should say, for 61 months. A year ago, 
in the, the report for May 2022, we were 18th. And now in the report for May 2023, we're the top of the heap, which is pretty remarkable given what has transpired in the housing market in the past year. And is this related to kind of the, the way we have been measuring against other cities because we've just kind of been slow and steady or we didn't have that big bubble earlier? Or what is this related to? Yes, to both of those, but I think there's more. Yes. So we've been talking for the last few months about that idea that what doesn't boom doesn't bust. And although our home prices were up quite a bit during the boom, so the report now is that prices were up 4.6% in May, the report a year ago was over 12%. So we're, we're definitely growing at a far slower rate than before. So there are a couple of things going on. Other cities have really severely dropped. Phoenix and Seattle are among those where prices are dropping. And there are a couple where prices are dropping faster than they were. Those include Dallas, uh, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, while our home prices are strengthening, which is to say, yes, we've risen up the list because others have fallen, but we are also rising on our own strength. Um, our home prices were up uh, in the 3% range a few months ago, then in the low fours, now 4.6. So we're getting stronger each month while some of those places I just named, Vegas, Los Angeles, and in fact, the national figure is getting weaker month after month. The idea here is it's not only that others are lagging behind, it's that we're speeding up. If this were a race, yes, it would be part of that slow and steady concept, but we've also accelerated. So even though we're going slowly, we're not going quite as slowly as we were. And this is at a time when others are slowing down dramatically. So it's, it's pretty noteworthy that we're at the top of that list of 20 cities. We know that this goes back to at least early 2017, that we were never at the top of the list. That's how far back my tracking of our position on the list goes, though I've been covering the data longer. Case Schiller started breaking out city by city, and I started keeping track in early 2017. And we were generally at the bottom for 61 months. And during that time, Amy, so uh, I have other news. And that is during that time, I used to joke in the newsroom that I was going to keep my job until Chicago was the hottest market in America, because at that time, <laughs> it looked like that would never happen. So now that's happened. So I've filed my uh, plan to retire. No, no, I don't accept it. I reject it wholly. It, it's kind of hard to believe that five years ago, four, three years ago, uh, we were so far down the list. Um, this is, and now we're at the top. This is this is uh, really indicative of how much the housing market has been sort of thrown into chaos in the course of the years of the COVID housing boom, rising interest rates, which sort of helped choke off that boom. And now whatever stage of recovery the housing market is in, in 2023. Yeah, definitely. And then related to that, we've kind of beat our own record because you've also reported how home prices have hit a record high here kind of competing with our own data. Right. Um, I'll get into how these two reports don't conflict, but let's first talk about the second report, uh, which was actually the first we published. Last week, uh, data came out from Illinois Realtors, which covers June. What I was just talking about was May. We'll talk about the other differences. And in June, the sale, the median sale price of homes in the metro area hit a new record high. The median, home price, the median price of all homes sold in June in the nine-county metro area was 
uh, just under $350,000. It was $349,940 in June, up 2.9% from the same time a year earlier. And as you and I have been talking about, the metro area just keeps, while other metros are dropping, we just keep topping our own tops. And June of uh, 2023 was the highest median home price sale for the region on record, like going all the way back. That's pretty amazing. Um, it's also the, uh, however, in the city, home prices were down for the eighth month in a row. Home prices in June in the city were down 3.3%. That's not the biggest drop in that string. In that string of eight months uh, in, uh, in April, prices were down 8.1%. And in fact, it's not just an eight month streak in nine of the past 11 months, home prices have been down in the city. Uh, and you and I have talked about why that is. It has a lot to do with um, how work from home has sort of released people from needing to live in the city or in downtown. It also appears to be related to crime. Um, it's related to the sort of shallow return of cultural arts, which make living downtown and living near downtown not quite as exciting, um, while living in the suburbs uh, has not lost the kind of strength it did. Um, city home uh, city home sales are about one quarter of the metro area sales. So while prices drop in the city for the metro area overall, uh, they're still rising. Maybe if we were if we had the data for only the suburban area with the city set aside, but that's not available. Maybe the figure would be higher for the suburban area. But for now, uh, as of June, as of the end of June, prices down three point three percent in the city and up 2.9% in the overall metro, including the city. And then to, to dig even further into that, you, you also recently took a look at both suburban home prices and city home prices and where they were up and where they were down the most this year. What, what, was, what stood out to you about that? You know, I want to answer that, and I have it in front of me, but can we first explain how the Case-Shiller data and this this other data I've just been discussing, how they're not in conflict? Oh, of course, yes. So this is something I think we always need to say. Illinois Realtors releases its data uh, just after the middle of the month. Case-Shiller comes at the very end of the month. They cover different months, which becomes very confusing. But um, the reason my report that city home prices are down for eight months is not in conflict with the Case-Shiller data is one, Case-Shiller covers the entire region, not just the city. Two, Case-Shiller is for a month earlier. It's a national index and it's it takes longer to process. So it's for May while the Illinois Realtors data is June. And three, most significantly, um, the index is an index. It's a sophisticated mathematical tool um, they are tracking home price, uh, same house sales, a house that sold in 1992 versus what it sold for in 2012 and 2022, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's a very uh, custom tailored, sophisticated mathematical index, while the Illinois Realtors data is, is reporting strictly the change in the median price, what the middle price on a stack of all the prices for the month is. And how that moves. So while they they aren't in conflict, um, they do tend to sort of track similarly. And so what I'm wondering is if next month's uh, Case Shiller data, because which would be for June, would look pretty darn good because 
our our suburban area was looking so good in June, according to the Illinois Realtors. But um, that's just sort of a whole bundle of explanations of why the report from Case Schiller and the other report don't conflict with one another. Now you want to talk about the suburbs and the city? I do. You, you took a look at where suburban prices and city prices have gone up the most this year and where they've gone down the most. And so what, what did you find in that? You know, let's talk city first because it's a little more glaring. We had places, so this is the first six months data. This is January through June sales in all 77 community areas of the city. That's how it's broken out. So for instance, we don't have Bucktown. We don't have Wicker Park. We have Westtown. Uh, those, anybody who knows the map of Chicago's 77 community areas, that's how the data is broken down. And we had several places in the city. Oh, sorry. One other thing about city data. Uh, it is reported separately for each of those 77 communities, community areas. It's reported separately for houses and then for um, condos and townhouses or attached housing. And we had several places. So essentially, you're looking at 154 locations, 77 uh, at two, two types of housing in 77 locations. We had several in the Chicago area where the decline over the course of six months of the median price was over 15%. We had none in the suburbs that dropped that much. Um, the increases in the city, the big increases in the city were the, the median price of a house in Bridgeport, attached housing in Avondale, um, condos in Lincoln Square and houses in West Englewood and Calumet Heights. Very interesting to see that those are the ones that are that are charging along. And it was interesting, you know, I talked to agents and I, one in Lincoln Square told me that she has a very strong feeling that the reason condo prices are up so much there is that house houses on the market are so rare, inventory is so tight in Lincoln Square of houses to buy that a lot of people have switched their search to condo. Um, and so if I was planning to buy a house, which typically is in the million dollar range in Lincoln Square, I've got a lot to pay. I've got a lot of money available to buy a condo. So if I've made that switch, I've got to get a home. We have a new baby coming, whatever it is we need to move. I got to get a property. I have a lot of money to spend a, a relative large amount of money to spend on a condo since my budget was for a house. And so that has, according to her, that has increased competition dramatically, increased bidding wars, and people are willing to pay more. And there's also the caveat that the appraisal comes in and backs up the value that people are willing to pay. So we had some big increases. The, the declines in the city are all in areas where people would be very sensitive to interest rates, lower income places, lower priced homes. Uh, the big declines were in, in the first half of the year in the median price was houses in South Shore, condos in Douglas, which is part of Bronzeville, houses in Roseland, and houses in Greater Grand Crossing and Englewood. These are all places where um, interest rates, very low interest rates, were making it possible for a lot of people to convert from renting to owning or to be first-time buyers. This, a lot of these are places where, as we've discussed, um, there was a lot of uh, rehab of foreclosures and distressed properties and reselling them. A lot of that was uh, happening because interest rates were so low that it was real cheap to buy. And then as interest rates rose really fast, I stepped out of the market, demand um, shrank, and so prices seemed to have dropped. 
interestingly, it sounded, and I was kind of making a map in my head as you were describing these places, but it seems like in the city where prices went up the most, we're kind of scattered around the map. And then where prices have gone down the most, we're, we're kind of in closer proximity to one another. Yes. The declines are really sort of are, are all in generally the same swath of the south side. Um, yeah. And the increases were a couple of north side places, Lincoln Square condos, Avondale, Bridgeport, which is like, which is immediate south side, and then Englewood, West Englewood and Calumet Heights. So yeah, more scattered. Um, similar scattering around the suburbs. You want to turn to those? Yeah, let's talk about the suburbs now. Okay. So whole different story in the suburbs. We had the ones that declined, declined by a lot less. However, for the most part, uh, by a lot less than the ones that declined in the city. However, for the most part, they too are places where people would be um, very sensitive to interest rates. Four of those are uh, Countryside, Forest Park, Chicago Ridge, and Bensonville. These are mid, mid-priced mid places where um, I, once again, might have left the market because interest rates went up fast and ate away all my affordability. There's also Northfield. I, I don't know why Northfield's prices are down. I don't don't really have any reporting on that. But the big increases are interesting. Some north, Wadsworth and Grays Lake, there's also Prospect Heights, which is northwest. And one that fascinated me was Linwood. Linwood is, is a South Cook County suburb. It's right on the state line, Indiana, Illinois state line. And prices, the median price of homes sold way up for the first half of the year in Linwood. Well, why would that be? I called around and I found out there's a whole swath of new construction homes that are selling very quickly in Linwood at really good prices, generally about $100,000 more than the uh, existing homes, which are older, smaller. Uh, so this, this is sort of an example how the median, a change in the median price can mislead you a little bit. It's not that all the same houses were selling a year or two years ago. There's a whole new node of higher end houses in Linwood and they're selling really well. They're new construction. A lot of people are turning to new construction because there's so little uh, existing home inventory on the market. They're new construction. They're built at a higher price and the median price has gone way up as a result in Linwood. And I love the the kind of, there's a narrative to every piece of it of kind of what, what made the price go up, what made it go down. I just think that's so interesting because it's a very unique community story for every location. And I may be pursuing that unique community story about Linwood for, for a story sometime soon because it's a big change. Yeah. It's a really big change. It only popped out because I was making a spreadsheet of data uh, and then I called around. Now I need to go walk around, you know, spend some shoe leather on finding out more about how Linwood is changing. Yeah. Field trip time. Indeed. All right. Well, let's talk about some houses. Let's start by talking about a Lake Geneva mansion that sold quietly for $14 million. I can't imagine anything happening quietly around $14 million, but here we are. <laughs> well, except that it's Lake Geneva where people yeah. um, people like to keep things quiet. This is one. It sold in June. Uh, it only showed up in the real estate listings a few weeks later, which is how I found it. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting house. We'll talk about the house itself. But um, this at $14 million, this home on a, about an acre and a quarter on Laura Moore Drive on the south shore of Lake Geneva, sold for more than anything has sold in Lake Geneva since last year we reported on a $17 million sale of a historical house that was then torn down. Uh, this is an intact, this is a relatively new house built just a few years ago. But $14 million is also higher than the highest price anyone has paid 
in the Chicago area this year. I track, as you know, the sales in the sort of the major, the six major counties of the metro area. Lake Geneva is well beyond that, though I also look at Lake Geneva. And so far this year, Lake Geneva has a $14 million sale. Chicago's highest is an $11.2 million sale, which I think is worthy of note. Um, okay, so this is, it's a really interesting house. They bought, the people who sold it bought the property um, in the 20 teens for about 2.15 million. And I don't know what the house that was on it looked like, but the house that's on it now, the house that they had built um, was by was designed by Morganti Wilson. They're a pretty, um, they're a well-known, excellent architecture firm based in Wilmette. Uh, they've designed, we've written about a lot of their houses in the Chicago area. I've looked at many and they're just gorgeous. Well, this one is even gorgeouser because it's a $14 million house on the lake in Lake Geneva. So it's sort of an L-shaped house where I don't I don't have photos of the inland side, but the lake side of it is essentially all glass, three stories high, but not all glass like a Mies van der Rohe building. It's rows and rows of windows surrounded by wood shingles. So it's like a, an old Cape, a big old Cape Cod hotel where somebody went in and enlarged every single window, minimized the amount of shingle. It's just, it's really pretty. It's so nice. Um, stone first floor, then shingles on the second, but again, primarily glass on all that. The house is L-shaped so, and, and in that L sits a pool and a terrace because, you know, when you're right on the shore of Lake Geneva, you got to swim in the pool, not in the lake. Um, they also have a pier two, for two boats. Um, it, it just looks like it's spectacular. I had very few photos of the interior. This was a, So again, this was a quiet sale. They sold it off the market. I think what usually happens is real estate agents later um, put it into the real estate records so that people have it as a benchmark for the, for the area so that it figures into, among other things, calculations of the median price. So that's when it showed up, but with almost no detail about the house. Uh, I found out about the Morganti Wilson design because there are some articles on the architecture firm's own website and also some articles in shelter magazines about the design of this house, which is just wonderful. There's one other thing. We don't have a photo of it, but there was this great, we, I linked to this article because we don't own the photo, can't use it. Um, one of the things they did is I said, this is three stories high. The third story um, or I guess actually in this, this is actually the second story of the house inside the trusses that support the ceiling, there's a catwalk. So you're essentially, it's as if you're walking through the trusses of the house. Um, the design, the architect had done this in other houses. The homeowners wanted something similar. It's really cool. If people go to the story um, on our site, I hope they'll click on the one where I say that because you see this image, which is very hard to describe here, but it's really interesting. It's it's the kind of thing, if you were on a tour of a historical house, people would tell you, oh, wait till you get to the catwalk. This is wild. But here it is in a house that's only a few years old. That's such a cool detail. And and yeah, the, those windows, um, I feel like that would just be so calming to just have this, you know, the wall of windows and these kind of beautiful details and, and all of that in this house for sure. Yeah. Looking out at Lake Geneva, which is very pretty um, in summer, winter um, even though somebody told me on Twitter, well, yeah, Lake Geneva is now just all full of speedboats. I, I still think it's a very, I was just there earlier this summer and 
I think it's a very beautiful place. And I didn't really notice all the speedboats. Yeah, it is a very beautiful lake. All right. Well, let's now talk about Lake Bluff because both the price and the size of an estate in Lake Bluff just got a little bit bigger. Nearly five years ago, October 2018, I reported that this was on the market. It had come on the market at $20 million. It was 13 acres right on the lake in Lake Bluff, 700 feet of lake shoreline. Um, sat on the market from then until uh, the price kept coming down from $20 million. This spring, it was $13 million. And then last week, it comes back on the market. No longer 13 acres, now 30. Uh, no longer $13 million, now $22.9 million or nearly 23 million. Um, and so now what you're looking at is a 30 acre estate on the lake in Lake Bluff, still 700 feet of shoreline. I checked with the real estate agent who didn't really want to talk to me about much about this listing, but she did confirm that adding the, the additional 17 acres did not enlarge the beach. Cause I thought, you know, maybe now you have 1400 feet of shoreline, which would make you bigger than uh, a lot of municipal beaches. Um, but 700 feet of Lake Michigan shoreline, 30 acres, including orchards, all sorts of wonderful things on your property, and about a 9,000 square foot house that was uh, was only built about 10 years ago. I'm sorry, was built in 1994. I got that wrong. I have the number right in front of me. Um, this is the second highest price anybody's asking for a property that is openly listed right now. There might be pocket listings, but this comes right behind that mansion we've talked about on Burling in Lincoln Park, uh, whose price has come down from 50 million down into the 20s. That one is still above this price, but for the, for that one, you get a city lot. Uh, and if you're like a Steppenwolf member, you can go right out your back door and go to Steppenwolf from your $25 million house. This one, is a an uh, sorry a, a rural essentially lot, thirty acres, with your own beach. So which one do you want? Steppenwolf restaurants, or private beach and orchards? There there are winds attached to both of those houses. <laughs> one could make arguments for both for sure. Well, one thing we could do is you buy one, I'll buy the other, and each week we swap. We can do house swap. Dennis, if I had that kind of cash, I would completely be on board with that idea for sure. <laughs> Oh, we just trade mansions every week or two. It's no big deal. <laughs> of course, I have that cash, but I'm waiting for you so that we can do the swap. I know. I can't decide between city and and lakefront, Lake Bluff. That's that's very nice of you to wait for me to find my fortune. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about another estate, in fact, in Barrington Hills. Can't wait to say this phrase that doubled as a turtle breeding sanctuary that has sold for five point six million dollars. I'm glad you like the phrase because, Amy, that was one thing that attracted me to this property. First, we'll talk the real estate. It sold for $5.6 million. That's the highest price anybody has paid in the Barrington area since 2012 when somebody paid $7.5 million. As you know from recent conversations here, there's that big mansion that was featured in Empire that has been going for higher prices or attempting to get higher prices. Uh, the auction there did not go through. Uh, we talked a while ago that it was going up for auction. The auction did not go through. I haven't yet gotten any answers from anybody on what exactly happened, but I'm pursuing that. So in the meantime, this at $5.6 million is the highest price sale in the Barrington area since 2012. It's 46 acres and thousands of turtles. It's so interesting. This couple, uh, he started a pet store that became a pet chain. They made 
products for various types of pets, birds, turtles, etc. And then they buy this when retired. They buy this property, which had been a weekend retreat of an old radio personality. People might remember Don McNeil of the Breakfast Club. Uh, they buy this from his family. They build a very nice house. They christen the property Terrapin Ridge, not because they're Grateful Dead fans and like the album Terrapin Station, but because they are turtle fans. And so what they told me uh, through their real estate agent is when they got there, Midland painted turtles generally survive at the rate of two or three to every 100 eggs laid. Okay. Through their efforts, which included uh, breeding cages in the water, also a breeding facility inside their home, all sorts of protections they made for turtles from predators, uh, that figure rose for, to about 15 eggs surviving per hundred, which is closer to the norm because, you know, there's always going to be predation in nature. Somebody is not going to survive. So they raised it closer to the norm and they released in the course of their time in the house, uh, in the, on the property, they released between 3000 and 3300 hatched turtles into their property who then migrated out into the wetlands all around. They have uh, there are forest preserves outside their property, and they believe that these 3,000 to 3,300 turtles they hatched scattered themselves out into the wetlands. They're fans of turtles, obviously. I'm a fan of turtles, um, and I think it's just really cool that this is what they did with their time. They've moved all their turtle breeding capacity to Florida with them, and I don't know who bought the property, but I do know from the agent that the person was very positive about the turtles, not necessarily going to help them breed like the previous people were, but really liked this sort of conservation status of this property. Yeah. I was going to say the person who bought it, I really hope that they're not going to do anything to harm the turtle progress made here. And, you know, I mean, what's interesting is uh, these turtles apparently have migrated out into the forest preserves. And I would imagine wetlands on private properties as well. And a mature turtle is more likely to survive than a recent hatchling. So they've really sort of repopulated this, this area with Midland painted turtles. I had no idea there was this turtle sanctuary happening. I had no idea. You learn something every day. Yeah, I'm, I was kind of fascinated by it myself. I'm glad we shared that. You teach me a great deal, Dennis. I did not count on learning about <laughs> turtles today, but here we are. Here we are. All right, well, what's coming up in the week ahead? Uh, you know, there's a big anniversary being celebrated, Amy. I don't want to say too much more, but we're looking at the anniversary of a condo portfolio and how it's gone. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, I'll, I will meet you right back here this time next week and we will talk all about it. Thanks so much, Dennis. Okay, cool. Thanks. Coming up in 20 months, Allstate auto insurance rates have climbed more than $1,000 in Illinois. And State Farm is hiking Illinois homeowners' rates for the second time this year. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Listeners of Crane's Daily Gist are invited to join good to great author Jim Collins for a one-day workshop in Chicago on October 17th at Navy Pier. This is a rare opportunity for CEOs and executive teams to spend a day with Jim Collins to understand the application of the good to great concepts and Jim's full body of work on what makes great companies tick. Limited places available. Go to growthfaculty.com to purchase tickets and learn more. 
This is the Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. The White House proposed a set of rules on Tuesday to improve insurance coverage for mental health conditions, part of a broader plan to fight rising rates of anxiety, depression, and other ailments. Bloomberg noted in reporting that the rules would make it harder for insurers to skirt a federal law that requires them to offer the same type of coverage for mental health issues as for physical ones. The proposals would also expand the reach of the law to state and local government health plans, a change that the White House estimates would affect about 90,000 people. The proposals clarify requirements under the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act, a law passed in 2008 and amended in 2020. They call for insurers to study the outcomes of their coverage rules to ensure that people have equal access to mental and physical health benefits. The Biden administration also gave examples of practices that it wants to end, such as so-called medical management techniques that make it difficult for patients to find mental health services covered by their insurance. Bloomberg noted that the rules, which are subject to a 60-day public comment period before they go into effect, follow a series of other similar federal measures. Those include grants to expand access to mental health services in schools. Crane's John Asplund reported, citing the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office, that the county passed a grim milestone in opioid overdose deaths last year. The 2,000 overdose deaths recorded last year mark a new high, breaking the previous record of just over 1,900 deaths set in 2021, according to the medical examiner's office. The vast majority of opioid deaths in the county involved fentanyl, which is up to 50 times more potent than heroin and 100 times more potent than morphine, according to the statement. In 2022, about 78 percent of Cook County's opioid overdose deaths were among males. Of the 2,000 fatalities, 56% of victims were black, 15% Latino, and 29% white. People in their 50s accounted for 27% of the overdose deaths, making that age group the most impacted, according to the statement. And the data may also indicate a slight shift of overdoses into suburban Cook County. Just over 70% of the overdose deaths were in Chicago, the statement said, whereas in 2021, 75% of opioid overdose deaths in the county were within city limits, according to data from the county medical examiner's office. The Chicago Department of Public Health also reported recently that preliminary data showed Chicago-specific opioid deaths at just under 1,400 people in 2022, compared to well over 1,400 people in 2021. Drug overdose figures in Lake and DuPage counties largely mirror the Cook County figures, Asplund also noted, with fentanyl as the largest contributor in the deaths. In DuPage County, the coroner's office reported 150 overdose deaths in 2020, 106 of those people related to fentanyl, and with an increase in non-opioid drugs, especially cocaine and prescription medications causing or contributing to death according to a statement from earlier this year. In Lake County in 2022, there were 131 overdose deaths, 92 of which involved fentanyl, according to the coroner's annual report. In 2021, Lake County saw 127 drug overdose deaths with at least 76 related to fentanyl, also according to the coroner's 2021 annual report. Asplund also noted that Will and McHenry counties saw fewer drug overdose deaths from year to year. Last year, Will County saw 144 drug overdoses with 112 related to heroin and fentanyl. In 2021, Will County Coroner's Office reported 150 overdoses with 111 related to heroin and fentanyl. And in McHenry County, the Coroner's Office posted 40 drug-related deaths in 2022 and 45 in 2021. 
Find more reporting on this story and many others at chicagobusiness.com. Crane Steve Daniels reported that Illinois drivers insured by Allstate soon will be paying more than $1,000 more per year on average than they did at the start of 2022 after yet another rate hike takes effect next month. Daniels reported that the state's second largest auto insurer is raising Illinois rates 11.2% on average effective August 17th, adding $275 a year or $23 a month to the average premium. That according to a filing this week with the Illinois Department of Insurance. The Illinois increases are at Allstate Fire and Casualty, which is the company's primary unit here insuring drivers, which covers the majority of Illinois residents that Allstate insures, though not all. And the average annual premium Premiums at Allstate Fire and Casualty totaled a little over $1,700, or $142 per month, when 2022 started. With a new increase, the unit's average yearly premium will total $2,732, or $227 per month. That's a 60% increase in 20 months. Daniels also noted that nationally, Northbrook-based Allstate is losing money insuring cars and overall as a company in each of the past four quarters. The company is expected to post another loss when it reports second quarter earnings next week. And this is the second substantial auto rate hike for Allstate in Illinois this year. In February, Allstate fire and casualty increased auto rates by 7.6% on average. But last year's increases, Daniels noted, were even more dramatic, hiking auto rates twice in Illinois, first by 12 percent, then by 16 percent. However, Allstate's rivals are also raising rates this year, though not at the same clip. Bloomington-based State Farm, by far the largest vehicle insurer in Illinois, with about a third of the market, has raised premiums by more than 12 percent so far in two chunks. Progressive, the third largest auto insurer in Illinois, has increased rates here by between 8 and 10 percent, depending on whether or not consumers buy through an independent agent. And speaking of State Farm, that company is increasing what it charges Illinois residents to insure their homes for the second time this year. The Bloomington-based insurer, by far the largest in the state, is hiking homeowners' rates in Illinois by 4.2 percent on average starting September 15th, according to a filing with the Illinois Department of Insurance. That will hike the average premium by $45 per year. Daniels also reported that in March, State Farm increased homeowners' rates by an average of 2.4 percent, an annual increase of $25. Meanwhile, back to Allstate, which is the second largest home insurer in Illinois with 12.8 percent of the market as of 2021, the company raised homeowners' rates here by 23 percent on average in February. Find more in-depth reporting from Steve Daniels about the insurance industry and lots more at chicagobusiness.com. That's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, Crane's residential real estate reporter, Dennis Rodkin. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.